Every time they they think about Mexico and our ministry there, for the most part, people look at us and they remember the orphanage, which is probably one of the biggest parts of the ministry that we're working in. And I'll definitely, that's one of the parts that we love, and I'll definitely talk about that at the end. But there's other areas as well that we're working in in Mexico. We have a fellowship of churches and pastors that work with us, and we have about 20-some pastors in the general area that we're living in and in, in the area of Monterey that is working with us. And and uh, just a great group of men and women that are working with us there in Mexico. Just to give you an idea of the men and women, we have a, a lady pastor that is where, uh, she's pastoring a church there in Victoria. And if you remember Victoria, Victoria sits at the bottom of a mountain. There's a mountain on one side of Victoria. And she bought a piece of property up as high up as you could go on the edge of that mountain without falling off the mountain. And she, I mean, literally, she went up that high and, and, uh, and she bought a place up there. And when she bought it, I wonder what in the world you're going to do with a piece of property up on the edge of that mountain. And uh, I didn't know what God had in mind, but she built a church up there and is doing excellent. Uh, when she went up there, there was nobody living up there. And now it's populated all around there. And they still don't have electric or water, but they built a nice building now. And it's grown to the place that they can't no longer fit inside the building, that they're sitting outside the building and listening in and and, and uh, doing a tremendous job there. And then she got that started and she decided she wanted to start another church, but it, the second church was three and a half hours away from that church. Sunday morning, she preaches there in Victoria. She drives three and a half hours in the afternoon, preaches Sunday night in, in, uh, at, this other, uh, at this other mission church. And then when they got that done, she started two more churches. So she spends Sunday night there and Monday on her way back home, she's uh, stops and preaches in two other places on the way back home. Pastors four different churches for us. I don't know how she does it, but uh, just to give you an idea of the men, and, and I mentioned Brother Ricardo's dad. He's now 80-some years old, been pastoring for a long time. I remember when he started a church there in, in Monterey, They on the back side of their house, there's an empty lot, and they used that empty lot. It wasn't theirs, but they were using it to have services. And finally, they got enough money together. They bought a little tent, and they put the tent up there, and they kept having services, and they kept putting some money together, built a little building on the back side of their house, and had church in there, and literally had standing room only. They could, if, if everybody had chairs, there wasn't enough room in the building for the people. So they didn't have chairs. They had people just standing up in the, in the, in the church so that they could be in there listening to the Word of God being preached. It kept growing, and then they, after that, they were setting chairs up on the street in front of the church and actually blocking the road every Sunday during church because they had chairs lined up outside the church in the street. Kept growing, they bought, they rented a building, and, and uh, they kept growing till that was full, and, and, and they kept growing until now they're in their fourth building. And uh, doing a tremendous job, and we thank God for the men of God that God has called called to work with us, and and the jobs that they're doing, and and we thank God. He's 80 years old now, in his 80s. The other day, he was climbed up in a tree, and he was going to cut down some limbs in this tree, and he fell out of the tree, broke some ribs, and uh, and cut up his face a little bit. And uh, he was saying the other day, he was to, his son was telling me, he said, my dad said that when he looks in the mirror, he sees an 80-year-old man. But when he gets in church and feels the presence of God, he feels like a, a ninja turtle. <laughs> and uh, 
if if you knew his dad, he, his dad is the one that if uh, if you go to the church there, before you even get inside the building, you could hear the shouts of his dad. His dad is just a dynamic preacher, and so we thank God for him and the men of God that's working there with us, and and uh, we're so excited about that. Another area that we work in and I've done for years and years and years is tent crusades. That was in my blood for many, many years, and we held uh, my last big tent. I had a tent that seated 1,000 people. And we set that tent up all over Mexico. And it got to a place we were having a tent meeting every other month. And uh, it was kept us busy, but we loved doing tent meetings. And then you, if you could see the people, when, when God would touch their lives and change them and they'd get saved and, and uh, hundreds of people that would come forward for healing and, and you'd see healings take place just in, in a moment's time. I remember one night under the tent, there was a whole group of people on this side of the tent and they were all deaf. And, and without even praying for them, without even, they, they started praying. We had an, an altar call and people were coming forward to be prayed for. And before they could get up to where we were praying for them, all of a sudden, every one of them received their, their, their hearing in, in just a moment's time. There are other times when they were, I, I know people that were blind that received their sight, cancers. I don't know how many people were healed of cancers in those meetings. And, and, uh, tent meetings were great. We loved doing the tent meetings. And, uh, when I started having problem with my back, the the doctor said, well, probably the tent was probably the reason you had problem with your back by pulling those those stretching the tents and pulling them uh, poles and all that that you had to do to set up the tent. The doctor said that's probably so what I decided one day that I would sell my tent. I said, well, my tent days are probably pretty much over with. I don't I, I, I don't see myself doing any more tent meetings. And I sold that tent and I had that sold for about a year. And then a lady calls me up on the phone from Florida, says, I bought me a new tent. She said, I thought I wanted to do some tent meetings, but I guess that's not for me. She said, God told me to give you my tent. And I thought the tent days were over with and I wasn't going to do any more tent meetings. And now I've got another brand new tent that God just put into my hands. And so last year we went back after, after COVID finished up and everything. And last year we went back and started doing tent meetings again. And so we're so excited this month in November, we go back, we have another tent meeting. And so pray with us that God will use us in, in this next tent meeting. And, and, and we do a lot of things in ministry, but everything that we do is so souls can be saved. Whether it's in the orphanage, whether it's in the Bible college, whether it's whatever it is that we're doing, everything we do is that souls might be saved for the kingdom of God. And so we're excited about that. Another area, and I'm talking fast, but another area that uh, we work in is is in the Bible school. And the Bible school has been doing well. We, uh, we were, have 40, 50 students every time we would come together and we were meeting at a holiday inn. We rented a conference room from them and we had our Bible college in there. And then one of the, uh, the students that graduated from Bible school there was a very wealthy person. And she said, well, why don't you have Bible college in my, on my property? I have a room that's big enough for you and it's air conditioned and it'll be just right for Bible college and you, you don't have to pay a thing. So we had Bible college there for a while, and then uh, all the violence started taking place. And because of all the money they had, they were asked to leave. And so they left and left us again without a Bible college. And I remember two years ago, I was in in, in my home church there in Padilla uh, preaching. And that morning, on a Sunday morning, I preached about God opening up new doors. And uh, I got done preaching, went to the to my uh, living room, and I was just going to relax the rest of the day. And uh, another pastor calls me, and he said, Brother Greg, he said, God just spoke to me. He said, I have a building that I think you might be interested in. 
And I thought, well, I didn't have any money, and I didn't know where I would come up with the money. And and uh, my first thing I was going to tell him was, said, no, I don't think I'm interested. And God just spoke to my heart. Didn't you just preach about opening up doors? And God said, I'm opening up a door for you to have your Bible college. And so I, I and so I, I immediately I told him that I would take it. You know, I found out a long time ago that when God speaks to me to do something, and generally I don't have the money to get it done. But when he speaks to me to do something, that he already has everything in place that I need to get that done. Whether it's the finances, whether it's the people, whether it's all the support, whatever it is, whenever God tells me to do something, he already knows where it's all going to come from. And so I told him, I said, I'll take it. And we made a deal. And and uh, we're, I'm, right now I'm renting the building. He called me the other day since I've been up here. He said, I think it's time for you to buy that building. And he, and uh, again, I don't know where in the world I could come up with the money to buy a building, but we need a forever home for our Bible college. And I believe that if God is in this and if God wants us to have that building, he will make a way for us to have that building. And so I'm excited about that and, and uh, the possibilities of going back. And it's a very nice building. It's a modern building. It's air conditioned, which in Mexico, that's a plus. In summertime, it's 114 degrees. You need air conditioning. And uh, so we have this building, and, and Bible College is doing good. I always thought that the Bible, or uh, the, the entire ministry, I always thought that everything that we did would always be just located inside of Mexico, because that's where uh, God called me to. And I just thought everything that I would do from ever, forever, would be inside Mexico. And in the Bible College, about a year ago, I had a gentleman call me that was a chaplain from a prison in Miami, Florida. And he said, I have some inmates here that are going to be here for a while, and they only speak Spanish. He said, would you be interested in your Bible college sending us material so that our inmates here can go to Bible college in Spanish and be able to get a degree while they're here in Bible college? And I thought about that, and I thought, what an opportunity that they're there, and they're not going anywhere. They're going to, and, uh, and they want to turn their lives around. And uh, so I, I, we agreed to it, and we have right now we have students that are inmates in a in a in a prison in 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 Florida, and I, I, it's amazing how God sometimes puts things together. From our little what I, what I was thinking, our little ministry there in, in Padilla, now we're extending way beyond Padilla, now we're in in Florida, and then after that, there's ministers that were calling me from from Africa, and they said I have right now a hundred people in Africa that want to go to Bible college with us. And I don't know how we're going to put all this together. And and uh, I, I was thinking about the other day, and I said, how in the world could we put this together? Because for me to do that, I'm going to have to hire more staff. I don't have staff right now enough to do that. But again, if it's God, he'll put it together. And so pray with us as we go back home that God will, if, if that's what he wants us to do, that he will uh, let us know and he will put all the things together that we need to put together for that the Bible school can can reach out even into Africa now. And then if that wasn't enough, the Mexican government in the last two years, probably in the last couple of years, they've been saying that every pastor in Mexico, if they do not have a certificate from a Bible institute that is recognized by the Department of Education, that they will no longer be able to preach in Mexico. Can you imagine that people that's called of God that's been pastoring for 20, 30 years that all of a sudden, if they don't have that certificate, they will no longer allow them to preach in Mexico. And Mexican pastors were alarmed and they were, what are we going to do? And everybody looking at that as a problem, I saw that as an opportunity. 
because I have a Bible college, and all I got to do is get that Bible college where it's recognized and registered with the Department of Education of Mexico, and then we can not only help our pastors that are working directly with us, but we can also reach out and touch other pastors of ministries all over Mexico that need that certificate that's coming about. And uh, it's already happening, in I think, in Guatemala. They're already saying that, that in 2024 that they're doing the same thing. In 2024, if they don't have that certificate, they will not no longer be able to preach. And so what an opportunity we have as a Bible college to reach out and, and uh, affect a lot of different ministries other than even our own. And so I'm excited about the possibilities in, in the Bible college and pray with us. Again, uh, when I go back, they're trying to sell me the building. I don't have any money, but I, I know I know who does. And uh, so I'm just looking forward to, to putting that together. And, and uh, so pray with us about that. And uh, another thing we've been doing for years in Mexico, I, I've had an online radio program in Mexico for probably 12 or 13 years already. And it's reaching out all over Mexico and all over the world, really. We get the reports back from different countries that are tuning into our radio station. And uh, this year, they offered me an opportunity to go FM. That's We're online right now. We're online, which is reaching out all over the world. But they give us an opportunity where we could uh, also have an FM radio station there in around the Victoria area that has a, a potential listening audience of over 2 million people. And... Uh, with ten thousand dollars in equipment is is uh, all it would take to get that done. Then the permit, but I'm believing God that God is going to help us to put the, it would that, that wouldn't even be any more work for me to do because we're already doing that online, and all I would have to do is broadcast whatever we're doing online on FM, and uh, we would have a FM station that is re- you know while I'm here we're preaching the gospel all over the world, while I'm sleeping we're preaching the gospel all over the world. And that's exciting to me that, that uh, you know, I, I believe that I have to do everything I possibly can to get the word of God out with the time that we have left. And every tool, every means, every possible thing I can do to get the gospel out, I, I'm all for it. And so the, 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 the radio program is doing great and it's being uh, uh, all over the world, like I said, and we're excited about that. What I didn't think, and I love radio, I never thought. I would uh, I would do anything, or I didn't think I was interested in doing anything with television. And when COVID came about, well, let me back up a little bit. Before COVID came about, I was going through Houston to a church in Houston, and this church in Houston, they the pastor came to me after service, and he said, I have a lot of equipment. We just upgraded all of our equipment. And it's a very it's a very nice church, and if you saw their old equipment, it was like stuff brand new to us. And he said, I have all this equipment that we no longer use. He said, I would like to cede that into your ministry. Do you have any need for this this equipment? I said, of course we do. And at the time, I didn't know what I was going to do with it. But I did know that if I, did, if I could use it, that we had pastors in Mexico that could use it. And so I, I told him I'd take the equipment, and we took it home. And, and uh, COVID hit, and we did like what a lot of people did they, that to, for people to be able to hear the word of God, we decided we'd go online and have a services online because we are people why why they shut the churches down. They need to have a way to, to hear the word of God being preached. So we decided to go online for the first time. We weren't doing that before. And uh, when we were talking about doing it, they asked me, where are you going to get the equipment? And I remembered that God had already supplied the equipment before I knew I needed the equipment. And so we had all this equipment, and when we got it out, it was just exactly enough stuff we needed to get the job done. 
And so we started putting that together. And then we began to realize that there was a lot of people that was tuning in to us. As soon as we go live, there are people that will start connecting on to us. And people from different places in the world that I didn't know why they were listening to us. They didn't even speak Spanish that I knew of in some of them countries, but they were tuning in to us. And so when we went back to in-person services, we decided we would continue doing the online stuff that we were already doing. And out of that was born the Emmanuel TV. And so the, the church is named that pastor's called Emmanuel Church. And so we just called it Emmanuel TV. And after the COVID was over with and we went back to church, we still continue to do that. And now that's evolved into a full online 24-hour-a-day Christian television station that is not reaching just Mexico. Uh, the reports are telling me that uh, without even advertising it, without even promoting it, that right now we're in between 150 and 300 countries every single month. And what an opportunity. And, and like I said, I'm just amazed just from our ministry there in Padilla. And if you knew Padilla, Padilla is about 7,000 people. And our little town of Padilla, we're, we're, we're touching the world with through, through, through what we're doing there. What an exciting thing to be a part of all, all, everything that God is doing. And so now we got this going on and, and, uh, we can't wait to get back. We, I, I was waiting to get some software that I needed to automate the TV station a little bit that was kind of expensive. And while I was on this trip, we purchased the software. And when I go back, we're going to implement that. And then we're going to start promoting our online TV station. And uh, after a pastor said, after we leave here tonight, we have to drive about three hours to get to Quincy, Illinois. Tomorrow, we're going to be on TV in Quincy, Illinois. And uh, so we're excited about how God is helping us to get the word out in the ministry. So pray with us about that and different areas of ministry that are working. And the children's home is doing good. Uh, it's, it's right now we have 27 kids in the children's home. What I want to say tonight about the children's home is that it's obviously it's a Christian children's home, but the kids, just because they come to us, that doesn't automatically mean that they're right just one day the next. Now they're all Christians. If you knew the condition of the kids that, that when we get them, every child that comes to us, every single one of them is there because of a reason. They were removed from their home because of abuse, because of sexual abuse, because of physical abuse, because for, there's a reason why they have been removed from the home and that they are with us. We have a girl that came to us this year that, that, uh, while she was with us shortly after she came to us, um, she, she, we found, one day we found her on the roof and she had a knife and she was getting ready to thrust a knife into her stomach and we caught her. Thank God we caught her, talked her off the roof, talked to her and, and, uh, since we've been on this trip, they called us and she, she tried to hang herself. But those are the kind of, that's the kind of kids that we, when, when they come to us, that's the condition of the kids that, that when we get them. And I only say that to say this. Then after they've been with us for a while, you can see how God has gotten a hold of their hearts and how God has transformed them and changed them. And that's a process because when, when they first come to us, we talk to them about God. They, the, the first question they asked, well, where was God when all this was happening to me? We have one boy that's with us that there's not one place on his body that he does not have a scar. Where they burnt him or they cut him or they did all kinds of stuff to him. 
and uh, not one place on his body that he does not have us. And so you can imagine the, the scars and the hurt and the trauma and the things that they've been through. And to go from that, and now some of the kids that's been with us now for, for, for a, a couple years or more, that uh, they're part of our praise and worship team. They, they, while they were with us, they learned how to play the guitar and, and the bass and the drums and the keyboards. And now those kids that, that came out of that are now on the praise and worship team at both of our churches, one in Victoria and one there in Padilla. Um, some of the girls are on the chorus and, the, and they sing on the praise and worship team. And so what an exciting thing to see how God takes them from what they came out of and see how God has helped them and change them and transform them into where they are today. And so that's exciting to me. And, and, uh, while I, I, it, it really breaks your heart to see some of the things they come out of, but when you see God begin to work in their lives, that makes all the difference in the world. And, and, uh, we know why they're there. Uh, we go through quite a bit of staff. You can imagine the day that the girl was on the roof with a knife, the half of my staff wanted to quit right then on the spot. And they, they just didn't want to deal with those kind of things. And, and, uh, and, uh, they, they have to understand. We talk about all the time. It's a ministry. It's not a job. It's a ministry. We're doing this. To, we're here for the kids. And that's what we're here for. And so we thank God for what he's doing in the kids' lives. We have one girl with us today that I haven't met yet. She came to us after I left home. And so I won't meet here till I get back home. And uh, so, but anyway, 27 kids were with us today, and I'm excited about every single one of them, and and uh, can't wait to get back home to be with them. Uh, another thing I want I want to mention about the children's home in Mexico. I always thought that Mexico was always like four or five years behind the U.S. In other words, the U.S. would approve something or do something, and then Mexico, several years later, would adapt that thing and whatever it is, and begin to doing whatever we were doing here in the U.S. Mexico today is leading the way, really, in all this woke stuff and all the things that's happening in the schools and things. And uh, right now, uh, we have uh, uh, kids that that are, well, let me tell you, second or third grade kids, and this year the government give us the textbooks. They, every, every year before this, we had to buy them. I guess they thought that by giving it to us that we wouldn't say anything about it because they were given to us. But when you open up the textbooks, second or third grade textbooks, you got all kinds of stuff, girls kissing girls in the pages. What that has to do with school, I have no idea, but it's in there. They have uh, talk about, they have drawings, but ever so explicit drawings of uh, body parts and all kinds of things that there's no reason why it has anything to do with anything, and yet they're putting that in there and getting that all this transgender stuff, everything, that is all in there in our textbooks this year. Then they have QR codes, if you know what a QR code is, that in the textbook that they can scan, the child, the kid can scan that QR code with their phone. And that takes them to a web page that is much, much worse material than what's even in the book. I scanned one of them QR codes because I wanted to know what they were looking at. And, and uh, there was a video of a prostitute that was teaching different techniques to the kids in second and third grade. And why am I saying that? Because as we go back home, I'm looking at the possible, very real possibility of starting a Christian school in Mexico. I'm really not looking for any more jobs. I'm not looking for anything else to do. 
But I can't stand and let our kids go to school and for eight hours a day listen to all this garbage that they're teaching in our schools today in Mexico. And uh, so we go back, we're looking at, that would mean I would have to build a classroom. That would mean I would have to hire a couple of teachers. That would mean a lot of different things. But again, I believe that if God wants me to do this, that he will supply the need. We'll build the buildings. We'll hire the teachers. We'll get the material that we need so that we can have a, a Christian school there in Mexico. And I, and I really believe that that's what's going to happen. And uh, the parents, even though the, there's an uprising of the parents in in our town and in our state, that uh, the government has not yet budged, they're still determined that they're going to teach that material in the public schools in Mexico. They also tell the kids that your parents are antiquated. He said they really don't know what they're talking about. This is true. This is right. They say what your parents are teaching you in your homes is they're teaching you that because they don't know. And, uh, and that's what they're, and eight hours a day they're teaching our kids that in Mexico. So pray with us as we go back home that we'll be able to, uh, get the mind of God and, and we'll do what we need to do. And again, I, I believe that if it's God's will, He'll supply the need and we'll get that done. Even, I believe even, even this year, yeah, we'll get that started. And so we're excited about that. We just had an inspection, uh, Monday at the orphanage. The state came in and said that, uh, we have to have an infirmary there at the orphanage that we don't have right now because they said if you have like if we had another outbreak like covid they said we have to have a room that we can isolate kids if they got sick so they wouldn't contaminate or the the rest of the kids that are with us and so they said there it's going to be a requirement it's not well if you want to or if you can it's going going to be a requirement that when i get back home that we have to build an infirmary infirmary there which would be just a big one big room where maybe put a couple of beds and some medical stuff in there. But but uh, that's one of the things that we have to do as soon as we get back home. And again, pray, just pray with us about it. I'm not worried about it. I'm not concerned about it. I know that God has us there. I know that he told me to do what I'm doing. And so if he did all that, I know that he's going to meet the needs. So I, all I ask is that you pray with us about all these things, that God will meet those needs. And one other need that we, we have is we need a, a, a desperately need a van. Our vans are wore out, and, and the only vehicle right now we have for the orphanage is like a, it's a uh, Mercury Mariner that's like a Ford Explorer. And when you take 14 kids to school in one school, plus a driver in that Ford Explorer, you want to, they're, they're packed in there like sardines. And it, it's not even really safe because when they have to cross a major highway to get from our, the orphanage to the school. And, uh, well, that may solve itself if we start our own school. But anyway, uh, we desperately need some transportation first. Just pray with us about it. And God will speak to people's hearts, and I, I believe that he will. And uh, and uh, we're so excited about what God is doing there. Also, I just want to say that all that we do would not be possible for people like you. We are called, and God has us there, and, and uh, God speaks to us, and, and I believe we're doing everything that God wants us to do. But even that would not be possible if it wasn't for people like you. And this church here has been one church that has stood with us for years and years and years. And uh, I really don't know how many years now, but I, I'm, I'm guessing more than 30 years that, that you've, you've stood with us and stood by us and uh, have helped us. And, and we want to say thank you so much for everything that you're doing because of you, it's possible to do what, everything that we're doing in Mexico. Thank you for listening to today's message. 
We hope that it encouraged or inspired you to God's best. If you have any questions about today's message, need prayer, or would like to learn more about Living Word Fellowship, please call 641-828-7119 or visit us at lwfknoxville.com.